When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Well, we've all been talking about the on-again, off-again situation with gas prices across the state of Wisconsin, United States. And boy, if you got diesel, you got a whole nother conversation happening. What's going on with our fuel prices? And maybe more importantly, what's happening with our ethanol plants right here in Wisconsin? How have they had to flex? Could they step into the market when prices were going up? Let's talk about it. Roland Koenig is along with us. He is a commodities merchandiser for Marquess Ethanol out of energy, out of uh, Nasita. Let's talk a little bit about what you've been living with for the past couple of weeks here, Roland. When did you start to see things gyrating in the energy market? Well, uh, Pam, actually, this whole year has been good in the ethanol side, in particular in the CETA here for Marquis Energy. Um, with the higher oil prices, typically it leads to better margins for our fuel business. And so it hasn't been a struggle in that regard, even with the higher corn prices. And the big, good thing for us here, our source of sourceability for corn has been really good. We've had a good crop in the state. And so it makes it easier for us to buy corn. So those two things together have made it really a good balance for Marcos Energy here in the CETA. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to remind people, though, it wasn't that way during the pandemic when everybody was basically staying home, not going anywhere. I'm sure Marquess, just like many other Wisconsin ethanol plants, had to really pay attention to how much are we going to make and where is it going to go? That, that's true. Um the, we were blessed in the fact that gasoline prices were high, not that we wanted higher, but the ethanol prices were way lower. So that would encourage the blenders to blend more ethanol in their gasoline because, you know, they, for 87 octane gas, it's 10% ethanol. So if that ethanol costs less money for the blenders to put it in, they're going to put in as much as they can. And so that, that's been kind of the savior for the industry um, in this go around, anyhow. And it's made it cheaper for them and cheaper for the consumer at the pump, especially if they go into like the unleaded 88 market, which is 15% ethanol. They're saving at the pump even more and still getting all the benefits of the ethanol blend. So we have been seeing headlines about how gas prices have started to recede since the 4th of July weekend. Can the ethanol industry and, and maybe the idea that the blenders are accepting more ethanol take part of the credit for that, Roland? Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, sometimes the opposite is true, though. You know, when ethanol is trading higher than gasoline, then they don't want to blend as much, and that's when margins get upside down for our industry. Um, but last year and this year have been kind of the opposite, so it's been really good. And then there's also the export market for the fuel. Um, in this country, you know, we're pretty much up to the mandate. We're blending 10% or more ethanol in all fuel, but worldwide that ratio is only maybe 2%. So there's a lot of room to expand our, our industry throughout the world. And is that uh, market, is it growing quick enough? Uh, do you have to only rely on domestic? How is that international opportunity going in your in your area, Roland? Uh, so far, so good. We've never had to back off production um, because of lack of customers. What it's really been coming down to is lack of freight. 
Uh, we do truck a lot of uh, fuel out of here, and we also rail it out. And a turnaround on the rail side in particular has been really slow, so that hampers some of those opportunities when that market is stronger for us. And we have to rely more on the truck traffic, and that sometimes that market isn't as profitable. Um, but you have to keep the product moving as the plants run 24-7. Uh, you can't just shut them off and turn them on just like a water faucet. What? How about capacity for Marquess? How are you guys doing? Uh, is, are you at full capacity? And sometimes capacity is not just about the building. It's about the, the employees. Yeah, so as far as the production side, uh, we are producing roughly 100 million gallons of, of fuel a year. And so it takes a lot of a lot of the inputs, the corn in particular. That's my role. Um on the employee side, it's a challenge. It seems like we're always looking for one or two more people in kind of the same way now. But we are, I'll say we're fully staffed, you know, 95%, which gets by. It puts a little strain on a few of the people if they've got to do some overtime or double time. But so far, it's, it's been hard to find good quality help. You know, the ones we do have are excellent employees, and a lot of them have been here a lot of years, and hopefully they'll be here for many more. Right. Yeah. Everybody's always looking. Roland Co- Koenig along with us, Commodities Manager for, for Marquis Energy out of Nasita, talking about Wisconsin's ethanol industry. Now let me switch to your commodities side of things, Roland. Any concerns right now when you take a look at your Wisconsin corn crop, which I'm assuming is your, your fi- primary uh, source for your ethanol? We got Late with spring planting, there's some concerns about the overall quality of the crop. What do you see? What are you thinking through? Yeah, you're right on there, uh, Pam, with the later planted crop. Um, it's going to push our harvest out here. The earliest corn we're going to see maybe is last half October, where typically we'll see some new crop, limited new crop corn in September. Um, we may see a little of that from our southern draw territory Usually that time period between the old crop and the new crop, which for us is September, October, it's always tough, a struggle because there's not enough old corn left. This year is going to be more of an imbalance that way. And in the past, we've been able to reach out into maybe Minnesota during that time to grab some corn, but those values are pretty high right now. So we're not sure where we're going to source the corn from just yet. Uh, we have the opportunity to rail some in, but that's usually the most expensive corn, and we try to shy away from that. But with that, this heat wave is coming on now, and most of the guys have decent moisture. It might accelerate some of the maturity on that corn, and we might not be as late as we thought here a month ago as we might be in a week from now. Sure, sure. Now, uh, what are the ideals for farmers that have never been able to work with an ethanol plant? What do you guys look for as far as test weight, protein? There have been hybrids built just for ethanol production. What do you like to see crossing your scales? Um, basically, we want a corn that's in good quality. Our moisture cutoff here is 17%, so obviously anybody has corn in the bin this time of year, it should be 17% or less. Uh, good heavy corn is nice. The average corn in this, this year has been from last year's crop is probably one of the heaviest on record is about 57 pounds, which is probably two or three pounds heavier than normal. As far as that effect on ethanol production is not as significant as is the having the drier corn. You know, we can't store any wet corn. As far as that goes, um, the guys have been doing a good job keeping their corn in condition in the bins. 
Um, we don't want to reject any loads, so but I have to say, 99% of the guys are doing a great job. So we haven't really had any concerns in the 15 years that we've been here. That's excellent. That's excellent. Now, Roland, what about any, uh, say, secondary markets that uh, Marquis might be looking at? Do you have any other byproducts that are being generated at your Nasita plant aside from ethanol that you've got to kind of keep an eye on too? Absolutely. That kind of buffers the, the tough times when ethanol market isn't so great. We also have uh, uh, dry distillers grains with solubles. So that's a uh, high protein feed. It's leftover mash that's been dried from the corn. Typically corn is around 8% protein. And once we dry that distillers after the fermentation is done, now we're talking about a 35% protein feed. And so that market is is also, that's more of a global market. We do a lot of domestic uh, sales here, but that's another key component to keeping the plant profitable. And in terms of that, that's you know typically on a daily basis about 600 tons of material that we're making. Yeah, right. And that's obviously been one of the major staples from the ethanol industry. Talk to me a little bit about where we're going from here then, Roland. You mentioned that uh, Marquis is uh, kind of a privately owned company producing ethanol here in the state of Wisconsin. Do they look at improving volume? Do they look at adding another uh, byproduct to uh, the uh, menu of products that you're trying to work with there in Nasita? What are they looking at down the road? Yeah, so along with that, we also are extruding uh, corn oil from the process as well. And that currently most of that product is going into the, the biodiesel side of things. And that's that's been another blessing for us, and that market's really been hot lately. It's probably tripled in price in the last couple of years. As far as our production capacity, um, this plant is originally designed to produce about 50 million gallons of ethanol a year, um, and like I mentioned earlier, we're doing about 100 million gallons, so we've already doubled in size. In slower increments, we can do that, but it, a lot of regulation is involved with the EPA and the DNR, terms of what we're allowed to do. So we have to take in small steps and and every few years we take that next step. And I mm-hmm. assume we'll be stepping it up a notch again here in the near future. Do you encourage growers to have a conversation with you before the combine start to roll? Roland, I don't know if there's a whole lot that can be concluded, but are you still looking for contracts this fall? Uh, open to new customers that way? What uh, What's going to be happening for you between now and when the dust really starts to fly October, November, we hope. Yeah, yeah, we're always looking for new uh, customers there, Pam. And we're blessed with having a lot of good growers in the state here. Of course, there's competition around. We've got competition to the north and down to the southeast. And so we bump up against some of those customers at different times. Um, typically, they'd be calling around. As a matter of fact, I just had a call this morning from a guy who's sort of out of our area, but his market has kind of fallen apart. And he sees us as an opportunity, even with extra freight. So we may get some of those bushels coming this way. I always like to get to know the grower ahead of time, just to get a feel for their business, and then you get to know us. Mm-hmm. Just like anything, once you build that relationship, you know, usually it lasts for a lot of years forward. Yeah, absolutely. Got to believe that. All right. Roland Kinnig along with us, Commodities Manager for Marquis energy out of Nasita, like he said, 100 million gallon capacity for Wisconsin-produced ethanol. And uh, if you want to give him a chat, uh, just jump online, Marquis Energy, M-A-R-Q-U-I-S Energy.com. You'll find him there, or you can also give him a phone call direct, 608 
565-3596, preparing for the harvest of 2022. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke.